Welcome to Explore the Word. So glad you can join in today. I hope you're having a wonderful day. Today we're going to examine a bit more historical information between the two testaments. And uh, you may be aware of the Apocrypha. It contains a 14 books written between the 400 years between the close of the book of Malachi and the birth of Christ. And some of the books that are made up of the Apocrypha are are later elaborations of stories in the Bible. Two books are called Edras, dealing with the rebuilding of Jerusalem after the exile. The rest of Esther, well, that retells the Bible story of Esther. While Tobit and Judith recount life after the destruction of Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, the Wisdom of Solomon and Ecclesiastes are wisdom literature. Baruch is written to the exiles. Song of the Three Holy Children record their worship in the furnace. So the you know, Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's based off Daniel chapter 3. The history of Susanna and, the, and Bell and the Dragon are both stories of Daniel, how wise he was and heroic for Yahweh. Um, the prayers of Manassas is supposedly his prayer of repentance, of Manassas' uh, repentance. And finally, the two books of the Maccabees record the history of the Maccabean Wars. The Hippocrypha means hidden things. It's a mixture of history, legend, poetry, and prose. Although much of it is formed from parts of scripture, uh, and there's parts of it you know, connected with it, 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 it's only in the Roman Catholic Church and the Orthodox Church that they consider it to be part of the scriptures. It, none of those books, never quoted, Never referred to by Jesus or the apostles. And they do contain a number of historical errors and unorthodox theology. So Apocrypha never was part of the Jewish scriptures. And it was never part of the Protestant. I know as Baptists we're not Protestant. We didn't come out of the Reformation. Uh, but it was never part of Protestant Christian Bible. It was just historical. And... Uh, Hey, check it out sometime. It's fine, but it's not uh, what we refer to as the Word of God uh, that we need to preach and teach. Uh, it's as historical information. So the 400 years between Malachi and the opening of the Gospel of Matthew, I'm going to tell you, they were very violent times. I mean, a lot of ancient history was violent, but it was violent times in the land of Judah. So the Babylonian Empire had taken off Judah, the last of the Jewish uh, individuals and kingdom, into captivity. They had come and gone. Then the Medo-Persian showed up and it changed the Persian Empire. They overtook the Babylonian Empire. Now they had been defeated by Alexander the Great and his Greek you know, soldiers, the Greek Empire. I mean, they, they had been overwhelmed by them. Alexander the Great died... In 323 BC, so in that 400 year silence. And the Greek Empire went to shambles. I mean, it was horrible. I mean, his own wife, his, his offspring, they were killed. And four generals divided up the entire empire and then started fighting amongst themselves. I mean, talk about a wonderful place to live. 
time period. Egypt was taken by uh, Ptolemy and Syria and Central Asia by Seleucus. And Judah became the trade route between the two ruling factions. Most of the time, uh, Ptolemies or the Ptolemy Empire ruled Judah, but that stopped in 198 BC. In 157 BC, Antiochus the fourth seized power. This guy was a borderline genius and madman. Now, if you ever wondered what kind of combination that is, that's a very bad combination, okay? Antichus named himself. So, <laughs> I, I, I'm just thinking told pride, right? Why would you name yourself anything? Uh, but he named himself Epiphanes, which means God made manifest. I mean, this guy had a severe pride problem. Now, he got a nickname that he didn't like. And that was Epiphanes, meaning madman, <laughs> by the Jews. Because he was viciously cruel. His treatment of the Jewish people was horrific. And the desecration of the temple in Jerusalem, he forced Greek culture and thoughts or Hellenistic thought patterns on uh, the Jewish society. I mean, it wasn't just suggested. I mean, he forced it. This guy was not about uh, free will or, you know, conscious of the mind. You do what I tell you because I am God made manifest. That's, I mean, literally, that's what he believed himself to be like. So Hellenistic thinking and lifestyle was having a considerable influence on the youth in Jerusalem and in Judah. And on top of that, there was corruption, much corruption, and there was political rivalry in Jerusalem. You know, some things never change, do they? We see the same things, the corruption and political rivalry in our world today. And there's nothing new under the sun. So the fires of rebellion had already started to, you know, light up throughout the Judean hillsides, you know, and throughout the land when Anarchus in 168 B.C., he poured, I mean, literal gas all over it when he planned to equate Yahweh, Jehovah, with the Greek god Zeus. And he plundered the temple. Uh, and he built an altar in the temple to Zeus. Uh, and, and used in this area of the temple, which was to be purified. He was a Gentile. He wasn't supposed to be in there. He should be dead for entering there. And he offered a pig for sacrifice and he forced the Jews to eat its flesh I mean this guy is crazy he literally is a madman it, that was a very good name the Jewish people picked for him many did conform to live some would not and they were martyred others fled uh, and he was and like I said he was acting like a madman uh, so the Maccabean Wars really started when one of Anakis' officers was traveling through the uh, countryside and with him were some conformed Jews, folks who had accepted Anakis' rule and his uh, desires for Hellenistic embracement, uh, and um, they were killed. They were killed by an old priest named Matthias and his five sons. Uh, upon killing the officer and the conforming uh, Jew... They fled into the wilderness. 
and began what we would call today a guerrilla campaign against Antichus and his armies. Now, Matthias died three years later, and his son, uh, Judas Maccabeus, became, which Maccabees means uh, hammer, um, he led his small army into Jerusalem. And then there was, I mean, there's whole books written about the fights and things. I am definitely shortening it up for this podcast. Uh, but eventually led his small army into Jerusalem. He cleansed the temple and started sacrifices in a feast of dedication, which we would know today as Hanukkah. So that's interesting, that little, little connection there. Uh, the Hellenistic mindset was losing ground around Jerusalem, and Antichus and Antichus's wild and wicked plans, thankfully, were never established. It wasn't long before a new and larger empire appeared on the horizon. The Romans. The Romans first appeared in 65 BC, uh, when the uh, Roman general Pompey uh, brought the whole Western Asia under Roman control, and it ended the Greek dominance in the area. Now, the Greeks still existed, obviously. They were still there. Uh, the, the Romans didn't force them back to Greek uh, proper, uh, but the dominance was removed. Uh, and the Romans came at first, and they demanded huge revenue. So they, they maintained uh, the, the Greek structure in a sense of taxation and things. So they came and said, hey, we want revenue. Give us your taxes. So then the Greek now underlings uh, went uh, to the Jewish people to heavily tax them. And interestingly, the office of the high priest under this new scheme was sold to the highest bidder for the purpose to pay taxes. Definitely not what the Lord had designed that for that high position. When Julius Caesar came to power in Rome in 49 BC, he gave Jerusalem control of its internal affairs uh, and granted all Jews across the empire freedom to practice their religion. Uh, and we see that to be true, and that had a really great influence in the missionary journeys of Paul. He would lo enter a local synagogue, a uh, place of worship uh, with the Jewish people, and that's where he usually would first preach the truth and teach it. And they were able to use, facilitate the use of synagogues to promote the gospel at the very beginning. So it's amazing how that decision in 49 BC had a great impact in the, in the first century church. It's really interesting. In 31 BC, Julius Caesar became Caesar Augustus. He was generally a wise and gifted ruler. And he developed uh, soon, uh, during his time, developed a number of great things and there was relative peace within the empire uh, he developed a good roads system a fast courier service um, from what i read from rome to alexander alexandria in uh egypt it's just three days i mean that's fantastic i think canada post needs to have a little chat check out those history books see how they did that but at any rate he also reformed taxation system, created police forces, fire services, established a standing army. He was definitely a builder, and he definitely expanded Rome in a great way. And he was the emperor at the time of Jesus' birth, Luke 2, 1. came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus, all the world should be taxed. And that taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. It's been established that there was regular census in the time of Augustus, and everyone was required to return to their home or place of origin. That, that's the idea for this taxation. 
It's interesting, just as I close off, um, in 1905, they found in Egypt a obviously very old papyrus with the order of census. You know, you need to return. Uh, the, that papyrus was uh, almost a foot long, half foot wide, and it, it told the people what they can read uh, right now uh, that they need to return uh, to, for census and to whatever place it was. And that was found, it's dated at 104 AD. So that's uh, that's not far off, right? That's pretty amazing that they found that. And they even found some other pieces that recorded a transaction of that head tax and even recorded the names of the people who had paid. So like an ancient receipt, which is pretty amazing. Uh, so we just see how the Lord, even in his quiet time, he was, for scripture, he was bringing all things to into his plan, into his fruition at his on his timetable. So that's pretty amazing. So thank you for listening. And I hope this episode has been enlightening, give you some good information to understand how God was working things out. So I'll continue to explore the word and grow in his grace.